signs. There's signs everywhere. There's signs. Uh, some signs are really good. They're really helpful, like a stop sign. Other signs are not so helpful, like on 13 when it said road closed. I mean, right? I have a hard time when it says road closed, and I, I always think to myself, is it actually? <laughs> it's much like with warnings, you know, small craft warning on Lake Superior. I'm like, I mean, what does that actually mean? No travel advised, you're going south during the wintertime, but for who? Then you end up in Winthrop, in the city hall, sleeping on a cot with a bar of soap that's been broken off as if you've been imprisoned for the night, which I understand that's not being imprisoned. Anyway, so signs, not like M. Night Shyamalan signs, but signs like this that you just, if you hit this sign, you will hit that bridge. Like, do we need that sign? Is that sign really that helpful? Or, or maybe for this sign, uh, it actually is helpful, where you're like, take off your high heels. I've never worn high heels. Some would make a joke about my toes here, but that's for a different time. Or maybe this sign is actually helpful. Uh, this next sign, do not breathe under the water. <laughs> or this sign, stay off the tracks. Uh, oh, we've skipped ahead. Let's just go to this sign. It, We've had all sorts of fun technical issues this morning. Some people are raging at home because they can't watch the screen because the internet went down, to which I say, maybe you should be in the building. Uh, so stay off the tracks. They're only for trains. If you can read this, you're not a train. Does, do we really need that sign? I don't think we do. But this next sign is my favorite sign, touching wires, instant death, $200 fine. So which is it? Is it a fine or is it instant death? I'm not really sure. Again, I have this hard time personally with signs where I don't really... Some of them are helpful, some of them are not. Some of them are actually just more motivating. <laughs> Again, 13, anyone with me? You're like, I know this road is not technically closed and I'm sick of driving on that other road and I'm sure the people are as well. It's open now. So here we are in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, or 4 through 8, I'm sorry. And it's interesting because it's on page 1003 and 1004. John mentioned last week with a very tongue-in-cheek comment about the complexity of these passages we've been dealing with. But, but this commentator says this. He says, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 is considered by many to be the most difficult interpretive passage in the book of Hebrews, and some would say in the entire New Testament. I agree with him. So we are going to enter into this passage together, starting in verse 4. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain, that often falls on it, and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to be cursed, and its end is to be burned. Wow, okay. 
So let's remember, when we started this book of Hebrews, we were putting together puzzles, and we were acknowledging that there's certain puzzle pieces that are harder to fit within uh, the book of Hebrews, but we're putting together this larger puzzle, and, and we can't take a piece of the puzzle apart from the rest of the puzzle because it's all fitting together in one large collective unit. And we have to step back and ask ourselves, what is the writer of Hebrews trying to do, and what is the writer of Hebrews trying to communicate? And if we remember back to some of the key themes that we've been going through throughout the book of Hebrews, it's not only the supremacy of Christ, but it's also the assurance of faith of those who are followers of Jesus Christ, because they're living in this time when they're being pulled away and potentially walking away from this new faith. So I've been doing a lot of introspection lately. That's not, not a new thing. I've been doing a lot of introspection specifically lately on some things uh, about my life. I had to, some really phenomenal conversations this week. One was at a book club in Pequot Lakes. One was down in Wyndham with some friends, my friend's dad. And it's interesting, as we come to the text, we have to ask ourselves, in what posture or position am I coming to the text? So as we come to the text, the Bible itself, what is my goal in reading and engaging with Scripture? Because when I come to the text, and if I have been led to believe that I am at war, I'm a warrior, I come to the text looking for ammunition, looking for weaponry, looking for an opportunity to to best the enemy. If I come to the text with open hands looking to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and saying, "May, may I not impose my position on the text, but may I allow the position of the text to speak to me, then I come with a very different posture. And so I've been trying to understand how I come to the text and and asking myself, why do I feel the way that I do when I read particular passages of the text? Because these verses are very heavy, and they become even heavier when we isolate them outside of 